The hour is late, and the moon is leering. If you feel as though you're being watched, you're right. Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria. Starring Bess Lawson as Gilly O'Hare. Megan Stressman as Rusty Rattlesnake. Philip Stressman as Florence Beauregard. And James Kettler as every other person, living or dead. We open on the night sky, stars twinkling against the pitch black void of space. As our camera begins to pan downward, following Flo, Rusty, and Gilly, as the three of them make their way from the offices of Meyer Brothers Studios to the Hollywood mansion of Wallace Patter Goodwin. Our camera follows over their shoulders as they open the front doors to the mansion and head inside. Inside the mansion, lounging in his beautiful silk caftan, having just been explained to the situation by our intrepid heroes, Mr. Patter Goodwin says, Well, quite the situation we've gotten ourselves into, haven't we? How do we catch this ghoul? Well, it sounds like you just set him on fire, doesn't it? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Oh, gosh. Yeah, but uh, Wally, I feel like that's a bit short-sighted. Like, oh, we set Cliff on fire, then the ghoul was dead, and then what? I'm still just advising on this one movie. You're still getting underpaid. You're still throwing your body downstairs, breaking your wrists. Like, well, not to mention it. that whoever made Cliff would still be out there. Yeah. Sure, and they're probably rich. And we want to be rich, too. Yeah, we do. Oh, right, right. The blackmail, of course. Yes. So how do I fit into all this again? Well, Wally, my good friend, mm-hmm. I would like to take a little peek inside your occult library. Hmm. We're getting up to some risky business here, you know? I know that, uh, you know, Wally, you and me, we... We did that job out in Burbank together, like... Oh, that was a fun one. You know me, I'm no stranger to a little bit of uh, getting my hands dirty. I couldn't believe they didn't figure out that we just threw a sheet over a coconut on a stick. Well, you know, you put somebody in the right circumstance with the right expert performer, uh, and they'll believe ice is fire. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed they will. But listen, this uh, this this job here, this this Meyer Brothers Studios situation is kind of a, a big risk, big reward sort of a vibe. And I would like to go into it with all available tools in my arsenal. And since I have just recently found out that all of this shit is actually real, I want to go in there packing the same kind of heat that they are. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. Hmm. Like you're trying to learn some spells or something? 
Yeah, I thought that was implicit. Yes. Listen, I'm just making sure we're all on the same page. <laughs> so, like, instead of setting Cliff on fire with, like, match, you can set him on fire with your mind? Again, Rusty, you're thinking too small. I don't give a shit about Cliff. I don't care if Cliff eats every dead person in Los Angeles County. I want mine. I want power. And Cliff, this Cliff situation is going to be the lever that we pull to get access to that power. You know what I'm saying? It's leverage, baby. All right. So what are you thinking? Well, I don't know. That's why I need to look in the library. You heard the woman. Let her look in your library. Well, what's the point of having all these books if I can't pass the knowledge on to someone else? Lord knows they're not doing me any good. All right, fine. Have a look. And Wallace throws open a set of double doors in his bedroom to reveal it's like it's the it's the freaking beauty and the beast library baby just beautiful walls on walls of bookcases filled with all sorts of cryptic old tomes it smells like wet hay in here you know that good good old book smell mm-hmm. and uh wally i think climbs onto uh one of them rolling bookcase ladders and just starts going around pulling a few books down and Floey hands you a big stack of leather bound books and says these might not be a bad place to start okay terrific thank you uh Flo puts the stack down and uh she's just gonna scan the spines of all the books and make a mental note of the names of all of the authors of all of the authors mm-hmm. okay uh you have your first book, Warlocks, Wizards, and Witches, by Gustav Van Franken. The Dummy's Guide to the Necronomicon by Abdul Alhazred. And you find The Secrets to Immortality by Elizabeth Bathory. Great. Yeah, so Flo uh, scans the spines of these books and makes a mental note of those names and then uh, hands the books right back to Wally. And she says, uh, Okie dokie, these would be perfect. Thank you. Uh, you're not going to read them? No, I don't read books. I'm not a frickin' nerd like you. Hmm. Well, nice to know that the book that I wrote that I gave you has presumably gone untouched oh, for the last year. Oh, that one? No, that one I read. You're my friend. Of oh, course I read sure, that one. Sure, yeah. of course, I Florence. loved it. Of course you did. What did I say in my dedication? Uh, I First of all, I was very flattered when I read that dedication. <laughs> it wasn't uh, to you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my heart, it was. Okay. <laughs> and it's been doing a terrific job of keeping my bathroom door closed. Great. So glad that the personal gift I gave and signed just for you is being used as a doorstop. Wonderful. Is there anything else I can do for you? Are you just here to use me for my resources again? And your company... Shall we all listen to a symphony? Oh, yeah, that sounds really nice. Oh, delightful. <laughs> and Wallace pulls out another wax cylinder and puts it on his uh, Edison phonograph and begins turning the crank as the most dissonant, horrendous sounding symphony, like it sounds like every member of the orchestra is out of tune, starts blasting out of the uh, speaker cone. And again, Wallace just talking loudly over it saying, uh, Oh, the power of dissonance. It can be so good to help me channel the spirits. Notice how every single 
whole section of the orchestra plays a note that clashes with another section. None of it going together. None of it making any sense at all. Is this the same as last time where he's just like really into it himself? Uh-huh. Okay, Rusty looks at Gilly and Flo and goes, let's get out of here. Yeah, my ears are bleeding. <laughs> Flo, Flo's already sneaking out. Rusty's like doing backwards somersaults trying to get out. Ah, such tension. Such power in these notes. I could listen to it for hours and hours. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And y'all shut the front door to Wallace's mansion behind you as you sneak away. Into the moonlight. And you find yourselves standing on his front lawn. Well, time to get that ghoul. As y'all exit Wallace's mansion, you approach applesauce, pork chop, and the studs. You all mount or climb into your various vehicles, and you get ready to head your separate ways. When, Rusty, you notice something. I notice something. A sound in the distance. The distinct clippity-cloppity of another set of horse hooves. And before you know it, a man on a horse rides by y'all at full speed, before going, yeah, and pulling the horse's reins, causing the horse to twist sideways and skid, horseshoes shooting out sparks. He just drifted a freaking horse. <laughs> drifted a freaking horse. And this figure stops, looks directly at you, Rusty, Colt revolver raised into the air, and he pulls down his mask, revealing a face that you, only you and Cheryl recognize as Barley Bishop's. Oh, no. And Barley says, Rattlesnake. Barley Bishop. And uh, Rusty, the first thing you notice about Barley when he pulls down his mask is that he looks uh, just like you remember him, save for a large crescent moon-shaped scar starting above his eyebrow and going down just almost to the corner of his mouth. Weapons up, everybody! And then Rusty takes his machine gun and draws it to Barley. Gilly just raises a fist in the air and she has on her brass knuckles. Flo doesn't do anything. I, of course. Uh, Barley, of course, already had his two Colt revolvers pulled out and aimed at uh, both at Rusty. And Barley says, uh, (laughs) You crazy son bitch, you ain't changed one bit. Damn straight. How'd you find me? How'd I find you? You hired Cheryl for a job, and you cut in all of the lasso lads. Damn it. You think word didn't come out that we got hired? Listen. That we were getting big Hollywood money in? You- Wasn't that hard to put two and two together, Russ? You're not supposed to be out here on the West Coast. Your terrain is back east. Oh, I know where my terrain is, but once I knew where you was, I just had to come see you and find out why you're employing the lasso lads in your floofy Hollywood bullshit. Is this going to take long? I got places to be. No, it's not going to take long. Floofy? What's that mean? (laughs) Is that a cowboy word? It's a cowboy word. It's a cowboy word, ma'am. Okay, sorry. Jeez, oh, Pete. I don't believe we've had the pleasure, ladies. My name is Barley <laughs> Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> Why, stop making fun of cowboy speak. 
Cowboys can speak however they want. Damn straight, I earned that right. <laughs> okay. Listen, don't talk to my friends. Yeah, don't talk to his his ladies. <laughs> yeah, you have not had the pleasure of meeting me, but I am keeping my identity a secret for reasons. Okay, I mean, that's fine. I understand that. What do you want? Russ. Barley? You don't have, like, a shorter nickname for him? Just Barley. Oh, okay. <laughs> you like might. Baba. It's Barley. <laughs> Florence. Sorry, I'm taking this situation very seriously. Really it's a serious situation. I really like you as a person, but okay. I need you to take a step back, Okay, please. okay, okay. Thank you. Rusty, I know that you ain't had much contact with the Colorado chapter of the Lasso Lads. Can't imagine why. And he gives you the stink eye through, like, emphasizing the eye that his scar is next to, like, leaning that in at you. What happened to your face, Barley? You know god dang well what happened to my face, Rattlesnake. Or maybe you don't. Since you and Cheryl here left me in the dust to take the fall. Would you mind taking the volume down just a notch? I have sensitive ears. I apologize, madam. This guy just really rustles my feathers. Why are cowboys Rusty so polite? <laughs> I know, everyone's so nice to me. <laughs> We're like the modern day knights. <laughs> Listen, I did what I did for a reason and I ain't apologizing. But I'm sorry about that scar on your face. So I guess I am apologizing. <laughs> he puts his guns away and he takes out from a saddlebag on his horse's saddle an apple and a pocket knife. And he starts Not on his saddle, his horse's saddle. Yeah. Okay. His horse's saddle. No, it's his horse's saddle. The horse okay, put it tripping. there itself. You're goddamn right. I took my horse down to the saddle store and I walked her through them aisles and I said, which one you like, Sugar Plum? What's your horse's name? I just said it's Sugar Plum. <laughs> Why does everybody name their horses after food? Do you want to eat them all? I do not. Gilly? But if it comes down to it, they will. That's what I was thinking. I don't know how I feel about you. That what? might be true for some people, but for me, I would let Sugar Plum eat me first, personally. Barley, I said don't talk to my friends. Would a horse do that? I feel like they're, they're herbivorous. <laughs> Oh, my God. Listen, Rusty. What, Barley? Like I said, I know you ain't had much touch with the Colorado chapter of the Lasso Lads, but uh, I'm in charge of them now. Great. C-C-L-L. And Cheryl. Yeah, Barls? You might not like it, but you're still a part of the Colorado chapter. Cheryl. You're out here. You've been out here for years. I know, but... I ain't got any friends out here but you, Russ, and I need to have the lasso lads backing me up. You got that Los Angeles lasso lads. They all suck. Yeah, yeah they kind of do. Yeah, lallies. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you want, Barley? You uh, Did you come here to get Cheryl and bring her back to your shitty little chapter? Rusty, I told you there ain't no hard feelings. I just think that the, uh... Colorado chapter requires a little bit of an extra payment. God damn it. For, uh, you know, loaning out one of our best people. Cheryl. Well, I am one of their best people. Rusty, listen. I'm sorry, I'm not a cowboy. <laughs> and I'm not some sort of, uh, a, a hardened, cynical grifter. But 
What? <laughs> that seems very specific. Yeah. <laughs> Gilly stops and looks over his shoulder. <laughs> this man both intimidates me uh, with his uh, uh, swagger uh. and, you know, uh, subtle threats of, of violence. But he tips his hat at you. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I think maybe you should uh, cut him in at double what you cut in the other lasso lads. That's right. Wait. 2%. <laughs> Rusty's like squinting his eyes at Flo. Like, are you, for real? For, I don't need money from you. What do you need the then? The payment agreed upon was fair. I just need Wait, your 1% help with was a, fair? I just, I just need Sorry, you. I didn't mean that. I don't know where that came from. Oh my God. <laughs> do you like me now? No. <laughs> <laughs> Rusty. I'm trying to turn it up Rusty for you. Rusty Rattlesnake. God Not dang. to me. You get around your old friends and you just revert right back to your old ways, I don't you? I can't help it. You make him angry. Cheryl, did he used to be like that, saying shut up to like women and his friends? Oh, yeah. I mean, Cheryl, yeah. no. It's true. Rusty, you have told me to shut up more times than I can count. Rusty Rattlesnake. I'm I mean, not, not playing like, this game not anymore. Not in like five years. You're trying to slay <laughs> like five years. Why are you trying to... Put my name through the mud. Rusty, listen. When we was running with the lasso lads, you were kind of a different person. Oh my I love god. The, I liked the person you were, but I love the person you are now. Listen, I don't even know this person that you're talking about, honestly. Oh, Rusty, come on. I'm hurt. Rusty, you were the kind of person who might, oh, I don't know, leave a man behind to take the fall for him. Listen. I told you I did what I did, and I ain't sorry. I did it for a lot of money, and it got me here. That's admirable of you. Thank you. Let's get back to the business at hand, all Russ. All right, all right. You said you didn't want money. What do you want? I need your help with a job. Oh, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Sure. What was a job? Well... Usually you switch the order on that. You say, what's the job? And then you listen to what the job is. And then you, maybe you say, sure, after. He's a lasso lad. I'm a lasso lad. We're lasso lads. Dang right. Okay. I don't know what that, that, that has no, co- I have no context for that statement. It's a, code of, it's a code of fellowship. Yeah, you ain't a cowboy, so you don't know. Yeah, okay. It's an oath to always be there for each other. Yep. One that Rusty has broken before. Uh, mm, all right, what's the job? Seems like an impossible oath to keep, honestly, to always be there for each other. Not physically, <laughs> necessarily. Not, not really reasonable for like adults there. with lives and not families literally. and stuff. Oh, last lads, oh, we don't we have got, families. Yeah, we don't got none no. of that. No. The okay. open road is our family, you know? Dang straight. Yeah. The open prairie. Is it the prairie or the road? Either either one. Either one. We got, a, we got a horse division. We just look our automobile division isn't very isn't uh, very old. It's only been around for a couple of months or so, but yeah. it's up and running great. Anyway, Russell. This Russell. is making me want to go listen to Wally's orchestra. <laughs> I told you never to call me Russell. It's only Rusty. What's the job? And can my friends help if it pays well? Oh, Are you don't. paying me? No, you're, the job is you pay. We just talked about this. The job is your payment to me. For, I'm, sorry, I'm just going to explain the job. Nobody does a job if they don't get a cut of the job. Yeah. Listen, you're we're not making me. any money from this job. This is it's not a job then. It's like a volunteer. It's a, 
<laughs> you I are don't all, volunteer. Everybody knows that. You are all that. burning my biscuits, something fierce. <laughs> Why did you bring biscuits to ride your horse? Excellent question. This is the job. <laughs> Los Angeles supplies a good deal of the gin to all of the branches of the Lasso Lads distribution chain. There's an organization out here that's made a point of disrupting those supply lines. They've been attacking our men, killing them, and taking the gin for themselves and doing God knows what with it. I suspect Drinking reselling it. it. Reselling it. That's what I was going to say. Oh, my God. Wait, where this has been happening for how long? I don't know, about the last year or so, probably. Year or so? Yeah, it's been getting worse and worse. Okay, so you want me and my crew... I mean, I never said your crew, but they are welcome. And the Lasso Lads L.A. to help... Oh, I ain't calling the friggin' lallies. They're useless. <laughs> Bunch of nerds who are good at chemistry, so they make a decent gin, but in a fight, they ain't worth shit. Well, I know two people who can fight, and Rusty looks at... Gilly and looks at Cheryl. Doesn't look at you. No, no. So when they attack the lasso lads, do they hurt them? I just, I, they killed them. Yes, they have killed several of the lasso but lads did from it various hurt? chapters. Judging by the state in which we, they were found, I would say yes, it was quite painful. What is the state in which they were found? Well, there was an awful lot of blood all over the place, both from them and their horses takes his hat off. They're horses? Yep. Oh, man. But, uh, the blood on the scene was the only blood that belonged to them on the scene. Because the blood that was in their bodies, it was gone. Uh, Rusty gets so pale right now, and, like, sweat just starts forming on his forehead, and he takes a bandana out and starts, like, dabbing his forehead, and is like, you said the they had no blood in their bodies? Yeah. Oh, my God. And Rusty, like, turns to over to look at Gilly really quick, and Gilly's eyeballs are right there. They're like so. daggers. Yeah. <laughs> and Rusty's eyes, like, get larger to be like, oh, no. Rusty. Yeah. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah, on three, let's say it. Well... Yeah, on three, let's say one. They were trying to send a message. Oh, I was going to say it was it was vampires. What? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what you're getting into, you might not want to go around asking people to join in to help you. No, I know what I'm getting into, She's getting into, really aggressive madam. and she's yeah. marching up to him. Listen, I know exactly what I'm getting into. It's a it doesn't bunch sound of... like you know anything, okay? So if you know what's best for you, you'll mind your own business and you'll go home. I can't This is not go a cowboy's home. business. You gotta listen to Gilly. She knows what she's talking about about these matters, and I mean it. Rusty. No, Barley. They've killed the lasso lads. I know. It is explicit. As the head of the Colorado chapter, it is explicitly my business. Gilly. Hmm. You know what happened to your family? And you know what happened to us recently? And we have vengeance to seek. You can come or you can't, but Cheryl's coming. Listen, I'm not going to walk around with people who don't know what they're doing. So if you're just going to hold me back, I don't want your help either. Barley uh, takes the apple that he's been cutting up and tosses it into the air 
and quick draws both of his revolvers and shoots the seeds out of the apple. Wow, so if we see any fruit, you'll be very prepared. Dang straight. (laughs) Gilly. I need to go home and think, okay? Okay. And I don't really want to talk about it anymore tonight. Okay. Can someone just take me home? Yeah. Yeah, I got applesauce over here. I can take you home. Barley, listen, um, I'll do it. I'll get in contact. Are you leaving L.A.? Are you staying around, sticking around? What's, what's going on? I was going to go right out into the desert somewhere and light a fire. Sleep under the stars. All right. Uh, if I don't do this job, what happens? I told you, you can come or you cannot come, but sh- but Cheryl's service in your endeavors will be revoked because I need her helping me on this. Russ, I'm sorry, but... My first allegiance does lie with the active members of the Colorado chapter of the Lasso Lads. Listen, Cheryl, can't let you do this by yourself, so I'm going to come, and I hope that I can get Gilly on board. But right now, I need to take Gilly home. This is a really sensitive subject. Cheryl, I'll talk to you to, uh, tomorrow, and uh, we, we, can, we can think of something, okay? All right. Barley, uh, it's good to see you. Yeah, let's, let's call it a night. Come on, Gilly. All right, Russell. But the job's going down tomorrow. Tomorrow? Tomorrow night. Wait, where? I'd like to say Gilly is trying to get on the horse right now. She's never gotten on a horse by herself before. Right. No, Gilly, let me like let me hold your foot up. I think I'm getting it. Am I fo- supposed to be facing the butt? <laughs> yeah, you got to face the butt, but you got to throw a leg over. Okay. Gilly's just flailing both legs now. <laughs> Uh, Rusty turns from this scene and looks back at Barley and says, Yes, my crew. All right, where are we going tomorrow night? The headquarters for the Greater Los Angeles Teetotaler Society. Glatz. Glatz. <laughs> what time? Sunset. Perfect. Which, according to my farmer's almanac, is going to be at 9.27 p.m. tomorrow. Perfect. I wrote that down. Gary's right. asleep on the horse. <laughs> I need to get my, my ladies home. My ladies. <laughs> Fine, Rusty. Cheryl, see you tomorrow, 9.27 p.m. Yep. I'll okay. see you there, Russ. All right. Gilly, let's go. And then Rusty just jumps on. She's asleep. What does Gilly sound like asleep? Oh my god, that's terrifying. Rusty takes a Rusty always has rope on him, so he like tied your waist around his waist and just tied it in a knot so that we could be connected. So that, yeah, so you don't fall completely off. And then Rusty turns around and says, Good night, Flo, and gallops off. Goodbye. <laughs> Flo, I can take you home. Okay, terrific. We cut to the next morning on the set of A Perilous Evening at Dreadnight Manor. I would also like to say that Gilly is hungover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 7 a.m. You out of your trailer yet? No. Yeah, okay. I'm still asleep. Gilly, you are awoken by a loud pounding on the trailer door. And she's going to storm out and throw the door open. Standing in front of you, outside of your door, is none other than Cliff Brockton. 
Great, just who I wanted to see first thing in the morning. Hello, Gilly. What? Cliff steps into your trailer. <gasps> okay, invade my space. What can I do for you? He shuts the door behind him. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no jokes for this one. Gilly, I, um, I was having a conversation with Mr. Forsyth the other day. How interesting. I was so sorry to hear about what happened to your family. Come again? Oh, I, I've been out of this business for a while. I haven't really uh, kept up with the news, but he told me that as far as he knows, you're all alone out there in the world. I choose to be alone. Why do you care? Well, I just wanted to say I was sorry about it. That you don't have anybody. Anybody who might miss you. Gilly's gonna walk up real, real close to Cliff so that, like, when she talks, her breath is, like, hitting, well, she's probably a little shorter than him, so, like, his chin. And she's gonna look him directly in the eyes and say, Listen, I don't need your sorry. I'm doing just fine. But you should keep that sorry for yourself. You're gonna need it pretty soon. And she's gonna turn around and walk out. So, you and Cliff take your spots on set in front of the camera, just as Landon Forsyth settles into his director's chair, and Landon uh, crosses one leg over the other and instinctively like reaches his hand out, and then looks and sees that his hand is empty and says, where's my coffee? Where's the intern? Hot crackers, somebody else get me a coffee right this minute. You, get me a coffee. And the cameraman who was shooting you, Gilly, just like looks at Landon from behind his camera and just goes like, me? Oh, and they just run off to go find coffee somewhere. Flo is, as always, directly beside the director, Landon Forsyth, during all this, <laughs> mm -hmm. fulfilling her role as a chief, like head spiritual advisor and uh, like co-director. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, it clicks for her, as Landon says this, that she has not seen the intern at all today and uh, she's gonna go over to Rusty and say uh, is uh, you haven't seen what's their name? Their name's Maddie Maddie? You yeah. haven't seen them all day? No and it's really peculiar cause they're always on time. I mean they like being here more than anybody else <laughs> like by a wide margin <laughs> I know but also there's a lot of ghouls running around <laughs> but Cliff's just been eating dead people, right? Like, it can't have anything to do with that. It can't, no, it can't have anything to do with that. This, no, it, it, they're probably fine. They're fine. They're fine. It's, you know, it's 1927. Like, any number of opportunities could have arisen for them that they might have taken up in lieu of this job. No. Yeah, I assumed they just found a really good post to be a shoe shine. Bah, where, where'd you come from? Wayne. I've been sitting next, you were standing next to me <laughs> while we were shooting that scene. I've been sitting here this whole time. Oh, uh, normally you don't like engage with us like on this level. Rusty takes a clipboard that he finds on a table and just puts it up in between Landon and um, Flo and Rusty. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I understand when I'm not wanted. <laughs> Listen, Maddie would never give up an opportunity to work with Gilly and Cliff. Like, no, there's something really weird here. But that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't have to be. Like, we could just, like, no. uh, 
ignore it and like continue to pursue our own interests. We are, because that's what. Terrific. Listen, speaking of which, um, Gilly. Gilly like looks around. She's across like the set, and she doesn't really want to walk all the way over here. She's just like <laughs> looking up around. Rusty whistles over to get Gilly's attention. <whistles> Gilly clutch, puts her hands over her ears again. Why is everybody so loud today? Gilly, you're hungover. Don't tell me what I am. Come over here, please. Gilly begrudgingly walks over. Listen, we have something really important to do today, and we got to go to Mr. Miles Brothers. Miles <laughs> Brothers. Miles Brothers. <laughs> Mr. Myers Brothers Studio Headquarters. I got to head down to the costume area and get a disguise from Mary Beth. What? Well, I'm going to drive Gilly to Myers Brothers studio office, and I'm going to have a disguise because I'm going to be Gilly's driver and security detail. And why do you can't look like you for that? Because it's fun to dress up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's an answer. Um, Also... Sidebar, Gilly. Yeah. Oh, this is y'all for a sidebar. (laughs) (laughs) Tonight, are you going to come with me? Don't you want to seek revenge? Mm. Yeah. I guess I'll go. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) We got a big day ahead of us. I'll let Landon know we're not coming back, okay? You don't have to. You can just leave. That's what I do. All right. And then Rusty's going to run down to see Mary Beth to grab a disguise. But I think really what Rusty's going to do is just grab some clothes. <laughs> and just, just different clothes. Yeah. Rips off his cowboy alf- outfit. His what? clothes. <laughs> and it's he just, rips off his clothes? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he rips them off. <laughs> um, so Rusty's ripping off his clothes <laughs> and just throws on some like... What would security like do? Yeah, like a suit. A suit. And, um, like, gels his mustache up, gels his hair back, and I think he wears a hat, but, a, like, a fedora hat. He's like, uh-huh. ugh, this little hat, and then he puts this hat You on took it. a costume from, like, a gangster movie <laughs> yeah. that they just shot, basically. Yeah, and, like, puts yeah. his little hat on. He puts his cowboy hat. He takes it with him. He's going to put it in the car, but he doesn't care about the other clothes. As you... Get the last pieces of the suit on, you know, adjust your fedora, get your mustache all waxed into place. You notice that Mary Beth Summers has been in this costume room the entire time. She does that. She has not, she is facing away from you with her elbows resting on the table and her head in her hands. And she has not even a little bit acknowledged everything that you just did. Rusty is really embarrassed. And his face is all red, but he walks up quietly behind Mary Beth and taps her on the shoulder and says, ah! <laughs> Mary Beth, are you okay? What the? Oh, Jesus, God. Rusty, it's you. Are you all right? Were you sleeping? No, no. I, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I haven't uh, slept at all. Since when? The last two nights. What? Why? Things, things keep keeping me awake. My, my, the, the heat in my house, something went wrong with it. And, and the, the guy said the water condensing in the pipe. It sounded like bullets going off. 
And then the night after that, something just kept turning on every faucet in my house and just flushing my toilet over and over again into the late hours of the morning. I feel like a crazy person. I, I, I... Mary Beth. What day is it? What day of the week is it? It's Thursday. Oh my God. Listen, is your house haunted? What? No. What? I live in an apartment. No, it's not haunted. Okay. They built it. It's is a your new building. They built it like five years ago. So your apartment isn't haunted? No. I've lived there for two years. Nothing like this has ever happened. Listen, have you th thought about talking to Flo? She's a spiritual medium. She can help with this ghost business if it is a ghost. Mary Beth, like, looks over your shoulder to see if anybody's there and then looks back and she says, Rusty, that's the thing. I can't shake the feeling that she's behind it. What? You know how ludicrous that sounds? Look, we, I don't know. I just, I, I never, I've never seen this woman before. We have a really tense first meeting where she was stealing my stuff. And then a couple of days later, just a bunch of stuff starts going bad in my life. A couple of days after I meet a magic lady who doesn't like me very much. Listen. Do you want me to talk to Flo and see if she... No, God, no. No? No, no, All right. no. That could only make this worse. Listen, why don't you go home and... Or, gosh, I guess you can't go home. Why don't you, like, go to the park and try to take a nap or something? Get out, get some fresh air, clear your head. I'm sure that this is just stress from the movie and you're missing mom's corpse and stuff. So... Yeah, yeah, I guess... I guess I do have a lot on my plate right now. Yeah. Yeah, just go take go take a day. Go take a day. Okay. And I'm going to bring these clothes back tomorrow, okay? I just took these. Oh. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, you hung yours up, so you essentially traded a gangster costume for a cowboy costume. So that's fine, I guess. Okay, cool. Well, uh, we'll get better, and I'm sorry, and I'll see you tomorrow. She puts a hand on your cheek, and she says, Thank you, Rusty Rattlesnake. You're really welcome. And then he rushes up the stairs. As you're going up the stairs, you hear behind you Mary Beth go, Okay. And then she takes one step forward and falls flat on her face because her shoelaces were tied together. Oh. All right, so Rusty's going to hop in his car. And um, motion for Gilly and Flo to come over to the car. Shotgun. And then she God looks at Flo. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want it. You just did it to spite me. Correct. And I respect that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Listen, ladies. My name is going to be... Rusty Rattles. No, wait. It's going to be Adam. Oh. Is I'm, this a character you're doing? I'm Adam, the security detail... For Gilly O'Hare. The accent is really good, Rusty. Thank you. I've been practicing since last night. And who am I? Wait, what's my? I don't my... know. Who are you? You tell me. Gilly, I'm your glam squad. <laughs> my name is Dorothy Studemaker. Okay. The glam squad and Flo Winks. <laughs> All right. Listen, Flo. Don't talk too much when we get there. This is defined too much. <laughs> I'm going to do the talking. I'm going to talk the exact correct amount for the situation that we find ourselves in. Listen, you're right. I can't tame you. Never mind. I I was just trying to intimidate 
it doesn't matter. You do you. You're a smart girl. I trust you wholeheartedly. Terrific. Okay, let's go there, and we're going to get into the basement. Got to get in and out, okay? Our camera remains stationary as the Stutz pulls away, and the screen is filled with a plume of dark black exhaust fumes. Only for our picture to resume, with you, Flo, and Gilly all in the Stutz, parking outside the exterior of the Myers Brothers studio office. Looking much less ominous in the middle of the freaking day. Uh, it looks like a normal office building. The chain and padlock on the front door uh, that you all saw the night before is no longer there because this is an office and there's, there's people working there. All right, Gilly, I'm going to get in front of you and act like I'm the intimidating security man. And you act like you own the place like you always do, okay? And I'm going to walk directly beside you, keeping pace with you the entire time and puffing powder onto your face as you walk. Oh, that's good. Mm. Yeah, right? Like yeah. a hair and makeup person would yeah. do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Ready? Let's go. Yeah, y'all walk in through the front doors of the Myers Brothers studio office. It's the middle of the day and people are hard at work. There's folks in suits and shirts and a whole bunch of people dressed in the exact same outfit Maddie was usually dressed in, who are you assume are interns, all with coffee in their hands running around every which way. And directly in the center of the room is a large wooden desk at which is seated a small woman with bright red hair pulled up into a tight bun. Let's just keep walking. Let's act like we know where we're going. You walk around the lobby. I think you start by just breezing past the uh, secretary at the front desk and uh, walking towards the back, and you just open the first door that you see, uh, and you find a meeting room, like a board meeting room with a table and a bunch of chairs and like eight guys all yelling different ideas at each other about how a movie should go. Listen, no, I'm no, telling no, no, you, I'm telling 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 you, i you, a stairwell, you find a couple other meeting rooms, you find like, you know, like the employee break room, uh, which is just literally the broom closet because labor conditions were not great in the 1927s. Yeah, and you walk the whole perimeter of this room like one or two times and you're not finding anything. Rusty opens up the blueprint. All right, look, this blueprint right here. I guess we could have looked at this from the beginning. Okay. You haven't been looking at the where we've been going. Just around. He's been winging it? We've just been around. You consult the blueprint, and it has uh, like an aerial shot of the lobby, and there's a square marked on the floor that uh, is labeled basement in tiny cursive font. And after looking at the blueprint and looking back out at the room and looking at the blueprint and looking out back out at the room again, you put together that the spot that's labeled basement where the front desk and the secretary are sitting. Interesting. All right. Is it time to cause a scene? Because you know I love doing that. Yeah, Gilly, you're going to listen. You need to get them to get up out of their seats and mm -hmm. come to you. 
Okay. So that I can get back there and try to bust through to that basement. Wait, I, I have a question. What's going on? Is it, are they standing on the stairs? Like what? Maybe a trap door. Yeah, I'm thinking so. So it's a secret basement and they put the, okay, got it. We're just going to go there and we're going to get them to come out and go go there and get it. We're going to go inside. Gilly marches up to the front desk and bangs her fist on it. Uh, the small woman with the with her hair in the bun starts at your banging on her desk, and she says, Oh, I'm so sorry. Can I help you? Let me speak to him. You know who I'm talking about, and you know why. Uh, Take me to him right now. I'm sorry. You're going to have to be more specific. There the are a lot of people who work upstairs. here. Got the one God? who signs my paychecks? Are you new? Yes, actually, it's my first Come day. Come with me! And Gilly's gonna <laughs> grab her by the wrist and start walking. Oh my goodness, where are we going? <laughs> you know what we're doing. She yanks her wrist away from you. Hold on a minute. I was told that I have to man this desk and the phones my entire shift. You expect me to walk up there by myself? Do you know who I am? I sure don't. Gilly puts a hand on her chest and mouth is open and she is looking around like the audacity yeah the other like half dozen or so random people who were all like crossing through this lobby in various paths have all just kind of stopped frozen to stare at this whole situation back to your business except you and she points at the front desk person no one moves (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm sorry what is it that you want and she's like backing away towards her chair again I'm owed a check, and he told me to come up to his office at, looks at her wrist, no watch, <laughs> 1.30, and I've never been here before, so take me there. Can you still tell me who you're talking about? The head of the studio. Who do Mr. you think? Mr. Myers Brothers owes you a check? Both of them. There's but o- I'll settle for one right now. <laughs> or even if you just let me into the office, I'll just ransack the place. So Rusty's gonna come over to the desk, like get really close to this redhead front desk person, and in Rusty's Adam voice, he's gonna say, "Do you know who this is?" No. I just asked her that. You don't know who this is. I don't. Listen, what's your name? Blossom. Okay. Listen. <laughs> the That's a weird name. Um, <laughs> I bet you're underpaid too. And us gals gotta stick together. So if you take me up there right now, I'll get you a pay raise as well. Oh my god, that that would be amazing. I'm yes. pretty amazing. I thought you realized that from the moment I opened my mouth. I I didn't, but that's that's awesome. Thank we you. We all make mistakes. Um, listen, it's Gilly O'Hare. Oh, I'm. It's Gilly O'Hare. Yeah, okay. I'll uh, I'll take you to his office. Just just follow me this way. It's uh it's at the top of the stairs, so it's a bit of a hike, but and uh Blossom leads y'all over to a door in the corner of the room that Rusty you previously explored and learned was a stairwell. But right before y'all get to the door, it opens from the other side. And out steps Rudolph Myers Brothers. Yeah. 
Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria was edited by James Kettler and produced by Philip Stressman with additional sounds provided by Zapsplat.com Monster of the Week Tabletop RPG was written and created by Michael Sands Join us again next week for more Phantasmagoria and until then be chill and stay dangerous.